If you have your Bibles, open with me this morning to the book of Luke, and I'm going to go to chapter 13, and I'm going to read a story, and then I'm going to take my time and work through the Bible back around to that story, okay? And I want to talk about the power of covenant, okay? We're putting God first in our lives, and part of that is, is the power of covenant and how he's made a covenant with you and I. So let's just dig into this. And uh, first of all, thank you guys for coming out last week and worshiping with us and coming back out Sunday night. We had a great crowd Sunday night, and what a great worship service we had and preached the word, and it was just great. Thank you all. We're going to be doing these throughout the year, and we have some separated times, designated times for prayer and fasting as well through the year. Because I want to raise the level of expectation in my life and in the church's life. Raise the level of expectation. And uh, so I thank you for that. Next week's going to be a very, very special week. I want to invite all of you back. Uh, Nancy Alcorn is going to be with us from Nashville. This is who Dana has worked with for the past 10 years. She's a powerhouse. She's preached all over the world. She leads one of the greatest ministries you'll ever hear of. And she's going to be in our house next week. So I want us to really come out and support that meeting. It's going to be fantastic. Then after that, I'm going to be locked in in a series called Witness. That's going to take us to Easter. Can you believe that? Easter, resurrection Day this year is April 9, and so we're going to be marching toward the resurrection. Hallelujah. Also, the Soul Hunters. Every year, we have a ministry here called Soul Hunters or a sportsman's ministry. Every year, they have a banquet, and this year, it's in March on the 18th. If you'd like to be part of that or get tickets to it, please see our Welcome Center. It's a great ministry. They've been doing it for many years, and uh, we've had upwards of 1,000 people at times come out to those dinners. And it's just, a, just something you can come and invite your hunting and fishing buddies to. First year we ever had it, I'll, I'll tell that story different places I go in the, in the nation. The first year we ever had that thing, and it was, it was awesome. I didn't know what to expect. I walked in, and... You know, there were maybe 300 guys in there, and there were more hunting trucks with dog boxes out in the yard than I'd ever seen in my life. And when we walked in that day, I thought I was at a Duck Dynasty convention. I really did. I, and I said, I said across from a guy who was cussing using the F word, and I thought, I am in the right place. I am exactly where I need to be right now. And a lot of those guys ended up uh, giving their lives to the Lord or uh, at least saying they were interested in giving their lives to the Lord. And God just started doing some amazing stuff. So anyhow, I encourage you to come and be part of the Soul Hunters Banquet. Luke 13, if you're there, say amen. amen. Verse 10, now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. A woman had a demonic spirit of infirmity for 18 years. A woman had a demonic spirit of sickness for 18 years. One-third of the miracles Jesus performed in the New Testament, he cast out a demonic spirit of sickness. Think about it. He cast out a spirit of sickness or spirit of infirmity. One-third of the time we read about. This lady comes in, bent over. She couldn't raise herself up for 18 years. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said, 
Woman, you're loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them. (laughs) But not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite! Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? This phrase, daughter of Abraham, just leaps off the page to me. She was a daughter of Abraham. In Jewish culture, boys are like consecrated with a bar mitzvah, what's called bar mitzvah at a certain point, and they're considered a son of the law, bar mitzvah, a son of the law. Girls have a bat mitzvah, a daughters of the law ceremony as well, meaning that they believe that they're dedicated to live according to the precepts of the law, and they believe in the law, the Old Testament Torah. Well, I think about it, if I expanded that term, they're daughters or sons of the law, which means they're daughters or sons of the covenant. Because the law came as covenant through Moses. In fact, in the Bible, there are five different covenants we read about. The first is a covenant God struck with Noah. The second is a covenant God struck with Abraham. The third is a covenant that God struck with Moses. The fourth is a covenant that God struck with David. And the fifth is what we call the new covenant that comes through Jesus. So I want us to look at these covenants and why are they important and what does it have to do with this passage as we work our way back from Genesis back to the book of Luke. Can you say amen? Amen. I guarantee you, unless... And God forbid, a a tragedy happens, KFC is still going to be open when we finish this service. Pizza Hut and Panera and Food Lion, or some call it Farm Lion, (laughs) is still going to be open. So y'all just, y'all relax and give me some time. Can you say amen? amen? In the book of Genesis, chapter Two and three, chapters two and three, God creates the heavens and the earth and he creates man and then he creates woman out of man. And he places them in a position of authority. And he says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So he blessed them and commanded them to be fruitful, to multiply and have dominion in the earth. Later on, they send all of humanity fell into this power of sin and this slippery slope of sin till we get to the point in Genesis chapter 6 when God says, my spirit will not always strive with man. I'm done. I've tried and tried and now everyone is wicked and he calls one man out of a wicked and perverse world, one man named Noah. The Bible says in the New Testament that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And so he calls Noah and he commands Noah to build an ark that would save his family. 
And so he builds this ark, rains come, flood happens, it decimates everything, totally and completely catastrophic. Every living thing dies except what was in the ark with Noah. When Noah walks out of the ark, after many, many, many days, the ark rests and they come out of the ark and God strikes a covenant with him. And he says, I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to make a covenant with you. I will never again destroy the earth with floodwaters as I have this time. And here's a sign of the covenant. I'm going to put in heaven a rainbow. And when you see the rainbow, you know it is the sign of the covenant that I've made with humanity that I will never again destroy the earth this way. And then he kind of reiterated in so many words the original command he gave to Adam and Eve. And he blessed humanity again and he really extended mercy to humanity. Now why in the world would God just want to strike a covenant with people? Why would he go around and pick and choose and Abraham or Moses or Noah? First reason is God brings covenant about so that he can establish relationship. That's the first thing. The Bible is a whole story of, that progressively unfolds of how God's going to restore humanity, save mankind, and restore the fellowship that he wants with humanity. We start with all of the human race, which were Adam and Eve. They sin, and now the funnel gets narrow, and he comes down to, Moses, to Noah, then to Abraham, and then the funnel gets larger again where he wants to take in all of humanity. So God comes first to establish relationship with people. God wants a relationship with people. He wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with me. We aren't complete without that relationship we have with him. Maybe, you, maybe you've tried everything under the sun and it hasn't bring, brought about that completion, that satisfying, that satisfaction in your heart. Maybe you're still looking. You're still groping. You're still trying to find the answer. I'm telling you, the answer is, is in what I'm preaching this morning. God wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you where he can show his love toward you, show his goodness toward you, and you can reciprocate your love toward him. Amen. You know, in the Greek language, there are many different words for love. And there's one word that was primarily used for the love of God because it has a different species. It takes on a different, um, a, a, a different level of love, should we say. Because in English, we say, I love you, Lord. I love my table. I love the shoes I have on. And I love my cat. <laughs> and we can use love for all those. But I think in the Greek, for the most part, you can separate those. And when we say we love the Lord, it's a special word. And I love that. It's the way it sh I, I love that, no pun intended. It's the way it should be. That when we have love for him, it's of a special kind that you've never experienced before. Can somebody shout amen in this house? Amen. It's a love that's of a different degree, a different species, so to speak. It's of a different category when we love God. That's the relationship he wants with you and I. We put him first. He strikes covenant with us. We enter into a relationship. He walks with me, and he talks with me. He walks with me, and he talks with me. He loves me. He shows me his goodness. He showers out his love on me. Oh, hallelujah. 
And you know what I did to earn it? Not one thing. Did nothing to earn it. It came totally by grace and a gift of faith. Hallelujah. Can somebody just raise your hand and just thank him just for a minute for the love that he shed upon your heart and showed you? We come then uh, later on to the book of Genesis chapter 11 and mankind falls back into sin after Noah. He falls back into sin and then it gets to the point where he comes to this, they call the plains of Shinar, which is really ancient Babylon. And he comes to the plains of Shinar and mankind starts erecting a structure into the heavens, a tower into the heavens. It's known as the Tower of Babel. And there was something evil about it. And so God came down and judged men again, confounding their language so they couldn't cooperate or communicate with one another. And so we've seen judgment upon the earth, judgment upon Adam and Eve, judgment upon Cain, judgment upon humanity again in Genesis chapter 11. And it looks like all hope is gone and it's just like mankind's just going to be destroyed again. But then we turn the page to Genesis chapter 12 and the Bible says, and the Lord spoke to Abram. God went and found one man and he spoke to this one man and he told him, get out from among your people and your family and go to a land that I'm going to show you and I will make you a great nation and I will make your name great and I, and you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I'll curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So now God is coming, and he's choosing a man, and then he comes over and he strikes covenant with this man. If you'll notice Genesis chapter 17. He comes in Genesis chapter 17, and he says, I'm going to establish my covenant, verse 7, between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations, and it'll be an everlasting covenant. I'll give to you and your descendants after you the land. And he re-emphasizes covenantal promises from Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 15, coming and to reiterate them in Genesis chapter 17. He's saying, I'm bringing you in, Abram, and I'm going to strike a covenant with you, and I'm going to have a special relationship with you, and this relationship is going to take on the aspect of redemption. Because covenant isn't just about relationship, it's also about redemption. That God is looking to redeem everyone from the front of the Bible to the end of the Bible. And he says, I'm going to make you a blessing to all nations. So somehow Abraham and his people we're going to become a prototype nation that God would use as an example and as an open door so every other nation or every other ethnic group, as the original language reads, will be blessed. Because God wants relationship with every ethnic group. And not only that, He wants redemption. He wants the price of sin to be paid for and salvation to come to every ethnic group. Then we turn on over to the book of Exodus and then we see God calling out a man named Moses. And Moses comes and Moses leads the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. 
And then he takes them to the heart of the desert to where he goes up on Mount Sinai and God gives the law and gives the paradigm of the tabernacle and gives all the laws according to worship and morality and how to live with one another and with the surrounding nations. Gives it all to the nation of Israel. And then he strikes covenant with them. Deuteronomy 28. I'm not going to read it all this morning. I'd love for you to go back and read it this week. But in Deuteronomy chapter 28, he says, If you'll obey all the words of this law and all the words of this covenant, I'm going to bring blessings upon you. I'm going to bless your crops and I'm going to bless your storehouses and you're going to be a blessing and I'll exalt you above all the nations and I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you and you'll be a blessing going out and a blessing coming in and a blessing in the country and a blessing in the city and a blessing in the field and I'm going to cause you to be prosperous and I'm going to cause you to be fertile and you'll have no infertility in your nation hallelujah and I'm going to cause you to be the head and not the tail and to be a lender to many but never a borrower I'm going to do all these things for you. And then he set up a sacrificial system to where once a year the high priest would enter into the temple or the tabernacle at the time and would go into the most holy place where God's glory and presence dwelt. And once a year he would take the blood of a lamb and he would sprinkle the blood of the lamb over the lid to the ark which was called the mercy seat. And once a year, on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, all the sins of the nation of Israel would be forgiven. And they would be forgiven for one year. So it was getting, the focus is getting clearer. And God is setting up a relationship by covenant to where he's bringing people back into relationship with him and buying and paying for their redemption. Because it was in the beginning, one man would kill an animal for one family, Abraham. Then it came to Moses where one man kills an animal that's sacrificed for the whole nation. Because the term covenant itself means to cut. The Hebrew term means to cut. And it also has the idea of eating a meal with and entering into a special relationship that has stipulations. And so when God cuts covenant, something is sacrificed, a meal is shared, and then stipulations of the covenant, what we must do and what he will do, and the lion's share of duties is on his part where he's guaranteed to redeem and bless us, and then we receive all, the third thing, we receive the blessings of the covenant. If we push forward into the book of 2 Samuel chapter 7, God strikes a covenant with David, King David. And he says, forever upon your throne will be seated someone from your lineage. There will always be someone from the line of David upon the throne of Israel. Now we know that that was broken and, and they didn't fulfill it. There were breaches in that agreement, but God promised there would always be a king upon the throne of Israel of the line of David. And so we have this beautiful covenant. And he said, this will be an everlasting covenant. This is going to be forever. And so he has his son Solomon who couldn't fulfill all the righteous duties of a king. Then he has his son, and then the son splits the kingdom between the northern kingdoms and the southern tribes. They, their kings, though some of them were good along the way, they couldn't fulfill the righteous demand of the law. Y'all hang with me. I'm going somewhere. 
They couldn't fulfill the righteous demand of the law, but then the writing prophets started to prophesy of one who would come, of the lion of the tribe of Judah, who would take the seat of David upon his throne and would be an ultimate Davidic Messiah who would fulfill all the covenants, all of the law, and all of the wishes and hopes and desires of the Israelite people, that he would be a king who would rule, and his rule and his reign would be so phenomenal that according to Isaiah 2, all nations would come to Jerusalem to learn the law of the Lord and there was coming such a kingdom age at one point that the writer said the lamb will lay down with the lion and the little child will play in the poisonous snake's den. There was coming an age, a realigning of nations and he said he will reign till all of his foes be put in his, under his feet. Hallelujah. And then we see that lamb of God, that Davidic king, that promised prophetic voice coming to the shores of the river Jordan when John the Baptist was baptizing and he looked up and he saw Jesus coming out of the wilderness after being tempted for 40 days and 40 nights and he said behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. This man had appeared now being the perfect fulfillment of all the Old Testament covenants and promises. In him the law and the prophets become one. No wonder when they were on the Mount of Transfiguration he was, he was embrightened, brightened before them and like he took on a different form, metamorpho in Greek, which means he, was, he had a metamorphosis, a change. And then they looked and there stood Elijah and there stood Moses representing the prophets and the law. And then they looked back around and it was Jesus only. He became the fulfillment of all the Old Testament. And now he would be the ultimate lamb. And when he died on Calvary, there was not a time stamp on it saying just one year and we got to do this thing over again. But no, the time stamp was removed. And he ascended according to Hebrews into the most holy place in heaven. And there he sprinkled his blood over the mercy seat in heaven. And now sin has been eradicated and forgiven for those who believe once and for for all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the everlasting gospel. Hallelujah. One day we're still going to proclaim it in the ages to come in heaven. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was full of sin, but I got washed in the blood. My God struck a blood covenant with me, and now I claim the blood over my life. Hallelujah. He walked all the way to Calvary, enduring the, the hurts, and enduring the hurls, and enduring the accusations, and enduring the beating, and enduring during the crown of thorns and during, during the cross and he took it all all the way for me and you and there he shed his blood and even though I wasn't around and even though you weren't around as one man wrote while he was on the cross I was on his mind hallelujah and he knew I'm shedding my blood and I'm cutting a covenant for all those who are coming after me hallelujah those who are going to need a permanent sacrifice those who are going to need access to the blessing those who are going to need redemption. I don't know about you, but I was lost one day. Lost as a bat. Didn't know anything about God. And God came and knocked on my door. Knocked on a hospital door and came and spoke to me and said in so many words, I have a better life for you. I didn't know it, but he had already struck a covenant for me, for my sake. Hallelujah. And now I can stand up with all the power of God coursing through my veins and said, thank God for the the blood of Jesus. Thank God for the blood covenant. Somebody give him a shout hallelujah. 
Come on, somebody say, nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. And now that Jesus has become the ultimate sacrifice, he cut covenant for you and I. He fulfilled all the Old Testament covenants. He walks into the synagogue one day. And he stands up and he begins teaching. And he sees a lady walk in. And he sees her and he recognizes immediately this is a demonic spirit. And I can't counsel out demons. It has to be cast out. So he speaks to the woman and commands her healing. Then he walks down, and I don't know how he did it. We're not told, but I like to imagine maybe he took her and he laid hands on her and pulled her up straight. And here now for the first time in 18 years, this woman is completely made whole. Completely made whole. And then the religious crowd gets mad about it. You can't do these things in church. You're not supposed to do these things here. And he shouts back at that man, hypocrite! Even you and your farm animals, they get in trouble on a Sabbath, you go, get, you go take care of them. How much more this suffering lady here? How much more this suffering lady? Bound by demons, bent over physically, how much more should she have a right as a daughter of the covenant? <laughs> how much more should she have a right if for no other reason than she's a daughter of Abraham? She's a daughter of the covenant. And that covenant comes with blessings. And if for no other reason she's a daughter of the covenant and she has an opportunity or should have an opportunity to be set free today, I'm going to tell you, I don't know, I wasn't born a Jew. But according to Paul, I've been grafted in. I've been grafted into the vine. Oh, hallelujah. And now the curse has been broken according to Galatians 13 because cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So all the ordinances and all the things that were proclaiming my curse and my condemnation before, he has broken them and erased them, the Bible says. And now even the things that were accusing me before, he's erased. And now he's brought me into the full line of the blessing of Abraham. And I don't know, I'm just going to say it, and theologians can disagree if they want to, but I'm over in the blessing of the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 28 as well. Where he said, I'm going to bless you. There'll not be one sick among you. I'm going to bless your water and bless your food. Hallelujah. I'll take sickness and disease away from you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to make you the head and not the tail. You're going to be blessed going out and blessed coming in. I'm going to be the healed of the Lord, the blessed of the Lord, the sanctified of the Lord, used by his power. Hallelujah. If you believe you're in that blessing and you're in that flow, why don't you give him a shout right now? Oh, hallelujah. 
Why am I preaching this? Because I'm tired of us not living in the full flow of the blessing that God has for our lives. I really, I, I don't, I mean, I want to see everybody, I, I, you know, suffering. When I see someone suffering, it, break, it just breaks me down, man. I hate to see it. And I know that God can help. And I know that we have answers. And I know we have power. Why should she be like this? She's a daughter of Abraham. And we get all wrapped up and caught up into the sovereignty issues and the arguments. And I'm just going to say, put them aside and take a journey with me just for a couple minutes and think about this. Satan was allowed access to the earth for some reason. And in the garden, he was there for some reason. Mankind was born into a war zone. But God had given that man and woman everything they needed to succeed. But temptation got to them. And I believe when they sinned by eating of the fruit of the tree, it opened the door. And it was like they surrendered the keys of their dominion over the earth realm and turned them over. But Satan, so Satan had some sort of authority in the earth realm. And God was working his plan through the centuries to bring it to the point to where the Son of God himself would come. And when he would come, he would be the one to bring in and usher in the kingdom of heaven and run ransack through the kingdom of the enemy. Just run ransack and start tearing down the kingdom of the enemy. For this purpose, the Son of God was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the enemy. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good, healing all those oppressed of the devil. He came to bring warfare. He came to bring down the kingdom of the enemy. And now he's handed the keys back to you and I. And he said, now you have that authority. Now you're a child of the covenant. And I don't think there's any mistake or coincidence why. When John saw Jesus in the book of Revelation, he saw him and he described him as having hair white as wool and his feet as they had been burned in a furnace and his eyes like flames of fire. You know that beautiful description. And then he said, and in his hands, he held the, the keys to the gates of death and of hell. Can somebody shout amen? Amen. He held the keys to the gates of death and hell, meaning he had already won all authority and had taken dominion back from the enemy and now has turned it back to the kingdom of God and the saints who work in the kingdom of God. If you believe that, put your hands together and shout hallelujah. And so now we're covenant children. Now we're children of the covenant. We complete the blood. We can sing about the blood. A few years ago, there was a story that, you know, some denominations were trying to take the songs about the blood out. I mean, how dumb is that? I mean, why take out the thing that saved us? Why take out the thing that, that, that brings us into covenant with God? Because people get backslidden and they're calloused and they don't want to hear about it because it's offensive. I don't care. Let's sing about the blood. Let's sing about the cross. Let's sing about the new birth. Let's sing about the covenant we have with God. Can somebody shout amen? amen. And it's interesting in, the, in, in Peter, 
It says that he went into the, the cavernous places of Hades. And you wonder why, but according to the verse in Peter, it's, it's that he goes down and announces his victory to the spirits held in chains. Since the time of Noah, it's a wild passage, but the way I see it is that when Jesus died on the cross, he went into the parts of Hades, the realm of the dead, and he goes to the place where the spirits are. This is the way I understand it. He goes to the place where these spirits are who have fallen since the time of Noah, and he says, I just won. Just to let you know, your kingdom's done. I just won. I just won. Go ahead. Make my day. I just won. Death, yeah. First enemy is going to be thrown into the lake of fire. No more. There's coming a day of no more funeral homes and no more memorial services. And why? Because he won. Sickness and disease? No, I won. He's already manifesting his power right now. But there is coming a day where there'll be, I don't know if you can wrap your mind around this, there'll be no hospitals. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's why we, we often pray, well, let, you know, when we come to someone sick, we often pray, well, Lord, let your will be done. Well, that's not used contextually right. Because when I think about when he prayed, let your will be done, he prayed it in the Garden of Gethsemane, John chapter 17, where he was saying, Lord, I know the destiny I have. I've got a drink of this cup. I've got to go die. But his flesh was crying out. Is it, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will. But thine be done. I never hear the apostles coming up to a demon-possessed person, a lost person, or a sick person saying, well... Let's go ask the Lord if he'd just have his will. No. They led them to the Lord, they cast out the devils, or they healed the sick people because they realized it already was the will of God. When the blood covenant was cut, it was part of the covenant promises. Already done deal. Already done deal. Hallelujah. 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 I went to pray for one of our dear saints this last week, me and Dana did, and this person was uh, basically comatose on breathing apparatus. So I didn't know what I was walking into, and I walked in the hospital, and a family was there who I didn't recognize, and we talked, small talk, just for a moment, and I said, well, I'm here to pray. I'm just going to let you know. I'm praying God brings her out of this. I came to do warfare. I didn't come to do last rites. I came to do warfare. And the guy said, well, praise God, I'm a graduate from Oral Roberts University. We're going to agree with you. 
And we start praying in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Two days later, I found out she was considerably better. Considerably better after that. We're... We're in a fight, man, but we have the blood covenant behind us. We have all the power of God, all that he's provided behind us. Let's just go ahead and do it. Do you guys know? I want you all to stand with me right now, if you would, and grab a communion cup with you. Do you you guys know every week we pray for the sick here at Fountain of Life? On Tuesday night. If you're struggling, come to the healing rooms. Come around back to where Kidstown is. And come in Kidstown and have them pray for you. Why Kidstown? Because a lady named Sally started this thing. And she said, I want them to come to a happy place. I want to be in the room where the kids are, with the the happy colors. So we pray for people in Kidstown. Oh, hallelujah. Every week, nonstop, 10 years. Let it explode, Lord. Let it explode. On the night of the Passover, before Jesus was going to be crucified, he had a meal with his friends. It's a covenant meal. And he sits down, and they're going through the traditional Passover meal, which was the meal that they celebrated on the night that that they came out of Egypt when God sent a death angel through the land. And the death angel took out every firstborn of every family, man and beast, except those that had the blood of a lamb applied over their house. Complete symbol of what would come in the new covenant. That Jesus would be the Passover lamb. That would be sacrificed for you and I. On that same festival time, And that when we would accept him by faith, the blood would be applied to our lives. Spiritual death would pass over and we would come to life. Every time we celebrate this meal, we celebrate that fact. As often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. So he took the bread. And he raised it up. The Bible says he took it and he broke it. And he said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Then he took the cup. He said, drink from it all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I'll not drink of this fruit of the vine again with you until I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. So let's receive. How many is thankful for the blood? Can you take a few minutes and just worship Him right here? Thank Him for the blood that was shed. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching and listening to the podcast. And I hope these sermons have been a great blessing.
and source of encouragement to your life. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing today, Jesus is the answer. I can tell you, He is the answer for your life. I'd love to pray with you before we leave here. So if you never accepted Christ into your life, or if you just have a need in your life, let's lift it up to the Lord right now. Come on, pray with me. Lord Jesus, wash me from all sin. I accept you into my life. I repent of all sin and I place you on the throne seat of my heart. Lord, I pray right now, you minister to each and every one who just prayed that short prayer with me. Whatever situation they're facing, give them grace right now. Give them the power they need to get through it, Lord. Give miracle signs and wonders today, Lord, to those listening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare it done in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and listening and watching us.